Adam, are you there? Yeah. All right, let's do this thing. Okay. I'm picking up Oi! Hey there! Welcome back to my podcast. I am Camilla, your high vibe advocate. Give me 15 minutes and I will give you a high vibe world. I have been looking forward to this Wednesday because this is when I get to introduce the world, well, my world, that is, to one of the greatest loves of my life, the world's best chef, Adam Jenkins. Adam and I met on um, one of the best yachts in the world, Cristo Esprit, where he is executive chef. And although my first voyage on Esprit was just for the Seychelles, which was a dream trip of mine for a long time, I can safely say that the two other times that I boarded were because of Adam. And his food is simply extraordinary, creative, and scrumptious. It is unpretentious yet refined, and each course is cooked to perfection and presented in an unmatched display that beats any Picasso work of art. The flavor is something indescribable. Every single thing that comes from Adam Jenkins meets your mouth with glory, making your taste buds dance, and you beg for more. So yeah, he is without a doubt unlike any other. So hi, Adam. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for taking the time to be here with me today. It's a pleasure. <laughs> um, did you always know that you wanted to be a chef? Well, originally it was never really the plan. So I, I left school and um, I was going to go to college to, to follow a more sports side of things. But not always being the best student, I didn't have the correct grades to carry on. So I didn't want to go to college and redo things. I always enjoyed cooking. And somebody I knew told me about the college and being a chef. So from there, I decided to um, go and try my look at being a chef. So I joined the college and went there. So where did you go to culinary school and what was it like? So I went to Birmingham College of Food which is about half an hour from where I grew up. Um, I was there for one year full-time and one year part-time. So the part-time I was working full-time. It was much more beneficial to work and go to college rather than just go to college because you really understood what it took to be a chef, what the industry was about, the good side and the bad side, you know, the, the long hours. and So that was college but so here's my question also about how you ended up like as I know you said originally it wasn't the plan but were you always cooking something somewhere where people are telling you that what you make is amazing or how how did like cooking come about it's such a a random thing if you're not born with like that desire to do that well I mean you would have uh, friends who would go out and I mean young and we'd come around and I would cook something a sandwich or something simple just cook here and there nothing nothing big so I always enjoyed I didn't mind cooking and enjoyed it so when when that opportunity came up and I found out about the college to go to it was it seemed like a good option 
Okay. And you were one of four students selected to train at the Ritz Carlton yeah. Hotel in London under executive chef John Williams. And, yeah, correct. And after two and a half years, you moved to the Sloan Club, right? Yeah. Which is like a private members only dining room. And there you progress from demi chef to chef de partie and in charge of your own section. And then yeah. by the age of 21, you had been promoted to sous chef second in command. So, How did you manage to stay humble and grounded after so many accolades? And actually, how did you move so quickly through the motions? I mean, it's it's pretty fast. It's a fast track to success right there, no? I mean, yeah, it is in a way. I mean, sometimes it's opportunity comes up. And um, I mean, how you get along and how you, you work always helps you with the next stage. So to go there as a demi-chef and then go to chef the party and then eventually well I actually left the company for a little bit and then they asked me to come back so I came back as the same position as a chef the party and I think it was around two months after I came back the junior sous chef left so the chef who I'd worked with I also worked with him at the Ritz as well he was like one of the chef de cuisines at the Ritz So I knew him from when I was 18. So that opportunity came up to, to be the junior sous chef. And it must have been about three months later, four months later, the senior sous chef was leaving. So I was spoke to about the chef, about an idea, maybe I'll try it. So he actually went for an operation and had one month off. So I was put in on a trial for one month to see if I could do it as senior sous chef and also acting as the head chef for one month. So I had to have a trial and sort of knuckle down and not make any mistakes or not become arrogant or obnoxious because I was in their position. <laughs> so, so that, yeah, it's true because some people it goes to their head and rather than work, they get cocky and So I did a month's trial and they made me do menus. They made me do tastings. And then they gave me the senior sous chef position, which I stayed there for a while with. So I had to work for it. It wasn't just, I mean, the opportunity was there, but you had to show that you wanted it and you cared. And being young, you, you, you still made mistakes. You still weren't always probably the best behaved but it's, <laughs> it's part of it's part of the growing up you know and uh being the chef and it was interesting and it was a good decision at the end of the day um you said that you were you had left for a little bit and then they you know and then they asked you to come back what were you doing when you left uh, i did some agency work i did some agency work um I mean, you can earn good money as an agency chef and I wanted more money and things. And so I did that and it was good for a bit. But I mean, when the season's not in high, high peak, then you start looking for work or you don't, you go to restaurants that you don't see worth it and you travel and it just didn't seem me really. So when the opportunity came back, I thought it's better to go back and have a more... <clears throat> A more stable job, really. What is agency work? I'm sorry. I might sound a little... But I, don't I mean, so you have like an... You, you go to like... Um, so many restaurants, they need chefs for a day or a week or 
for a function or things like that. So there's a certain agencies in London and you go to them and you give them the CV. And when there's a job or a couple of days work, they give you a call and you go to this place. You go to many different places around London or around Birmingham or wherever it is. And you just, you're not full-time, you're just a part-time staff. You'd come in for a couple of days and you paid hourly rate and that's how it is. Okay, that makes sense. And um, did you have any mentors in your life or idols early on? I mean, for me, you know, there was always like the Ramses growing up and of course their inspiration as you're growing up. But for me, an idol and... It was about who I worked with. I mean, Cole Withy, who gave me the opportunity to go to the Ritz and that college and sort of gave me confidence as, as as a young boy to that I could cook and I could do something. I could have a good career. So he was an inspiration for me to continue what I was doing. Um, working at my first restaurant with people like Luke, um, David, Neil, I mean, they were the head chefs and the sous chefs. And they 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 took me on and gave me the opportunity to work in a real kitchen and guided me and had fun and showed what it could, the good sides and the bad sides of being a chef, the long hours, but the fun we could have as a team and a team that worked hard together. And then the Ritz would always be an idol is John Williams is a amazing chef. Not only an amazing chef, an amazing person. When you, you were struggling, he was always there for you. When you got a bit too big for your boots, you got put back down. And he would give you the confidence to be you, but not not go too far until you could really do what you wanted to do. So these are the people that inspired me to do well. Well, I mean, that description of John Williams is really interesting because one of the things that I find most incredible about you is your leadership skills because chefs are infamous for their bad temper and um, for not being really good team players. And yet I feel like watching you, which is one of my favorite activities, (laughs) um, you find this perfect balance between being a true leader, making sure nothing goes wrong and that everything is up to your standards, but also being a team player and a mentor and a friend to everyone in the kitchen. And, you know, and I know that especially being on the yacht, it's such a small family in a way. It's like, you know, you have your life there too. So how do you do that? And how do you separate the personal relationships from the business relationship uh, or professional relationship in an environment where it's all so intertwined? Um, it depends on your personality a little bit. I mean, there is a, a serious side where work is work. But we work every day. We work hard. So you also need to have fun while you're working. I mean, people go through things in not only their working life, in their personal life. And when you're having a bad time, you don't need to come to work and listen to the chef or somebody just shouting at you, telling you everything's bad. You also need to someone to put your arm around you and say, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Um, we'll help you with what you need. What can we do? So, so, so you have to understand people's feelings as well, you know. Service is service and it's not the easiest time. It's very stressful. But they also need to know that after service, whatever's happened in the day is over and we can go sit down, have a beer together, have a chat. 
go out together and have some fun as well, you know, that that also you're part of the team as well, that you're not the boss and this is how it is, that you're part of the team, that you're in the same situation as them. Because yeah. at the end of the day, without them, there is no team and that with no team, there's no food that's going to come on the plate that's going to be good. No, you are absolutely right. And uh, it's actually one of the main reasons I wanted, I wanted to interview you here because that is so important, you know, understanding that everyone has a role to play, but, you know, we're all part of something bigger. And you're right, like without them, there is nothing, you know, you ha- you need them just like they need you. Everybody needs each other. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Would you say that it's easy to work with you? Probably not always. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's the, there is the fun side, but there's also the serious side where you don't let things go and you do have to tell people what's wrong. I mean, the difference in working in the kitchen and working as an office is you can't wait till after service is finished and say, oh, you know, this wasn't correct and this wasn't correct. It's on the spot. People are waiting. People are paying a lot of money and it has to be correct. You know, so when the, the fish is overcooked or the steak's not cooked correctly or the vegetables are overcooked, then you have to tell them it's wrong. It's not about, OK, I can tell you later. No, it's wrong now. So you have to have that side where it's very, you're very strict. But then you also have to tell them when they cook it good, it's very nice. The sauce is very good. The fish is cooked excellent. The steak is perfect. And, and so you have to work both ways, you know what I mean? So at times, probably not easy to work with. and But <laughs> it's part of the fun, I think, as well. <laughs> yes. Um, and your eyes say it all. It's funny <laughs> to watch from far away. Um well, with an open kitchen, I mean, because wherever I work and the kitchen is so open, um, I'm not the quietest person in the world. So people do hear me saying things. And I don't believe that a guest who's sitting and having dinner with their friends, their family, their loved ones should be listening to a chef swearing and shouting and saying horrible things to the guys. I mean, of course, sometimes you swear and sometimes you tell someone's wrong. But it doesn't mean you dislike the person. It, it, it sometimes comes across the wrong way. But you don't want to listen to me shouting and screaming at people for the whole two hours while you're having dinner. I don't think that's a nice experience. Well, sometimes it can be entertaining, but I don't I don't <laughs> see you doing that that often anyway. So it's 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 still cool just to watch. Um, and your creations are amazing. So where do you get your inspiration for your creations and how do you stay current, you know? with everything to find your inspirations i think it depends where you are where in the world we are and i mean you see some on the market and you you probably haven't seen it for a while i mean let's say you see some um berries on the market you haven't seen for a while and you think oh i can i can do something with that i've got some goat's cheese on board and we'll mix that and we'll do something with that and then you start to think and you get ideas from what you've learned through your whole career. I mean, there is some things you create and there's some things you take inspiration from and you see things and you think, oh, that would look really cool. Let's do something like that. Let's bring the langoustine with the elderflower because they're in season, they're on the market. So they're the people you, you, 
you look through your inspiration, the farmers, you know, you see their stalls and you think, oh, that's just come into season. That's going to be beautiful. So you use that local influence and where you are in the world. And plus what you've learned through your career. To stay relevant is, I mean, because the industry we work in, we all have many friends. So you see things, you hear things. You see, I mean, with social media now, you're always seeing pictures of, not just the best chefs, some of your friends and are cooking at home and you think, oh, that's cool. Maybe I can do it a bit different. And, and that gives you inspiration to do something. So you're always seeing things that are inspiring you or keeping you relevant. But I mean, also with the being relevant, some people try and copy too much instead of sticking to what they know and what they're good at and trying to create all these modern techniques or the modern using the 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 new kind of modern powders and all this this is not really me but some people try and overdo it and forget that cooking is about flavor right i completely agree i mean i have been to so many excellent or you know highly ranked three michelin star restaurants in the world where everything tasted like nitrogen i mean i can't even <laughs> I don't know. It was just bizarre. But the flavor in your creations is always spot on. And um, I wonder if you do you call this. What do you call your style of cooking? Do you call it anything? Um, I don't know. It would be like modern, but with classically French English style cooking. It's not about it's about having elements on the plate and using modern techniques, sous vide cooking, but they're still using classic techniques as you're braising and making your jus properly. I mean, this is what it's all about, making a proper consomme. I mean, I like textures on a plate. I like to have something crispy, something soft, something pickled. It depends what you're eating. So it's a classic style of cooking with, say, modern touches. And do you have time to hang out with other chefs or with culinary people at all well one of my best friends is a, a michelin star chef himself so we spend a lot of time together when i'm home oh really i didn't see. know that yeah he's adam smith he's in in london he's a very good chef um we work together at the ritz one of also the other students who who came from the college so he was one of the four as well that's awesome so we're still very good friends and um, I spend a lot of time we always try and go away together or try and have a weekend where we go to a restaurant and we 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 talk and we're in a lot of contact so I spend a lot of time with him and obviously most of my friends uh, is it through in- the years chefs anyway so <laughs> <laughs> true I mean it makes sense um, is it important to you to know what other chefs are doing um, to a certain aspect, yes. To another thing, it's nice to know what people are doing. Um, some people, you can see what they're doing and it doesn't really matter to you, if you know what I mean. Um, yes, it's great what some people do, but it's not my style. So it's nice to know what people are doing, but I think you have to stay true to yourself a little bit as well. How do you manage to cook so well with the limited staff kitchen and resources of the yacht. I mean, it's a small group of people and you are at sea. So how does that happen? So, I mean, I'm just saying because it's so perfect every single time. <laughs> um, well, some things that the guests see is perfect. You, we might not find it um, 
so plain sailing through the day when we're looking for ingredients or something hasn't turned up. But, I mean, through organising and through training our guys and working together over the years, we get consistency. Um, and we work, we work well together. We like each other. So we we cook for each other as well, if you know what I mean. We're That's all great. trying to make make the same product. We're trying to make the guests happy at the end of the day. That's our job as a chef at the end of the day. That people are enjoying food. That's what we do it for. It's not it's not us eating it. Most of the time by the end of service we don't want to eat. We've had enough of the food, but <laughs> it's about seeing the guest reactions and Aww. and that's that's important that people see that. And I know you well enough to know that you are excellent at going with the flow. Would you say that that's a skill that has helped you in your profession and in your life? As I've got older, yeah, because, I mean, sometimes things, I mean, especially working on a ship, it, if something doesn't turn up, I can't do anything about it. I have a couple of hours where I might still be at port to try and find a replacement. But if I can't, there's no point going and stressing and crying about it. Okay, you're not happy that something ha hasn't came, but you have to just go and you have to change the menu. It might be for that day. It might be for the day after. And you you have to live with it. So you, you have to learn to go with the flow and not beat yourself up. It wasn't your fault that it didn't come. So there's no point stressing and stressing everyone out and making your team unhappy because you're you're complaining that something hasn't came that you really wanted. You just have to go speak to the guys, tell them what's going on, and we have to change something. And that's how you have to do it. And not much else you can do about it. And Well, being a chef is probably one of the most stressful careers out there, I think, at least. Um, how do you deal with stress? It's one of them. You, you have to deal with it. It's part of your job. Um, I mean... It's again, when you get older, you realize, I mean, it's stressful when you think you've done something so well and you you cook something and it comes back or someone complains and you think, what did I do wrong? And also you have to think, I didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing wrong with that dish. It's maybe not the guest taste or they don't like that style. So some, some complaints you have to take with a pinch of salt which is probably one of the most stressful things as a chef to, to hear that your food's not good or something's wrong. When it's wrong, it's wrong. Everybody makes mistakes and you have to accept that. But don't take the complaints too serious. Some of the complaints too serious. Some you just have to, you can't please everybody. And then you also have to switch off as well. You have to, you have to go when you finish work and not, think about why didn't this happen why didn't... you have to turn off especially working on a ship seven days a week you have to have them moments to yourself or sit down and chill out and relax and I don't know watch a movie have a beer chill with the guys and, and just have your time as well which is very important and also have fun man while you work I think having fun and laughing and joking is very important I'm not into this kitchen where You can't go in. You can't talk. You do your work. You don't laugh. This isn't a this isn't a good environment for me. I want to go to work. We spend a lot of our lives working. I want to have fun. I want to laugh. I want someone to say a joke, and smile that you made a mistake or smile that you did something good. These things happen. It's okay. <laughs> 
I think it's absolutely brilliant to watch you guys laugh in there, to be honest. It's one of the best things about it is how everyone looks like they're having fun. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good to have fun. I mean, it's a lot of pressure, so I want the guys to have fun as well. So, do do you cook for yourself in the same way that you cook for your guests? <laughs> Most likely, no. <laughs> I mean, when I'm home, I cook for the family, and you cook simple things. You know, you do your roast dinners or you a little soups, or you don't present it the same. Um, I mean, some of the things you don't have the equipment like you have at home, and I mean, you don't have the you can, but I don't. I don't really do it. I I I prefer doing the simple things at home. I love I mean, how you call it simple soups. There's no such thing as a simple soup that comes from you. <laughs> you have the best soups that anyone has ever tasted. So, um, what is your favorite dish that you make? And are there any favorite dishes of yours that you can't make? Uh, favorite dish. I think it depends what mood I'm in. If we were to go for what's on the menu at the moment, it would be the pea soup with the basil pesto and the quail egg uh, and the prosciutto parmesan. This is very good. Um, the main course would be a halibut. I love the halibut with the lemon potato, champagne sauce, um, mm. oyster emulsion, the, the asparagus. I think these things are very good. Um, I like them. They're, they're my style. They're my favorite dishes that probably at the moment. Um, and dishes I can't make. No, because usually something I can't make is um something that I don't. I think is over the top probably sometimes. Hmm. Wow, that's really good. Then it means you probably can make pretty much anything. <laughs> well, to a certain degree, yeah. There's no dishes that I've ever had that I've like. Oh, I'd love to make that, but I don't know how to. Because, wow. I mean, once you know the basics and you have a good understanding, usually you would, you probably won't be able to make it exactly the same, but you have a good understanding of how it came together or what ingredients are in it. Who is currently your favorite chef? Um, it would still be John Williams for me. I mean, John Williams, I think, is a massive inspiration. I'm so happy that he's doing so well at the Ritz. Um, I mean... It's probably one of my favorite. Also, my my friend Adam is also a great chef and he's amazing. I've worked with him for many years. I've eaten at his restaurants. Probably one of the best restaurants I've ever eaten at. So, you know, they're they're the people that I I find my inspiration from and who I enjoy watching and seeing. I was actually going to ask you next. What is the best restaurant that you have ever been to in your life? For me, uh, 11 Madison Park was amazing. There was a great evening, a great company uh, to go and eat there. That was excellent. That was great. That was very good. Um, <laughs> spur in the moment thing as well, so it's even better. Other than that, one of the best restaurants I've eaten is at, at, at the Ritz. The Ritz London was amazing. Um, even though I work there, it's still nice to go there. And the other one was my friend's restaurant, Adam. And his food is, uh, for me, is really, really amazing. What's so, the name of his restaurant? He's at Cove Park. Hmm. I got to try that. It's um, very good. And, you know, I know that you have passed up some pretty amazing opportunities in order to stay on a spree. And um, I want to know why, like, what are some of the reasons why you love your current situation so much? 
Um, I mean, you travel the world. Um, I have a lot of freedom in the kitchen. Um, I still have corporate chefs and to answer to culinary director, but they give me a lot of freedom. They let me be creative. They let me do the menus. Thank God for that. <laughs> we travel the world. Um, I mean, we go to many places of Seychelles, Dubai, Croatia. And these places have been very, very amazing. Really, really beautiful. Some of them Seychelles is unbelievable. Yes. Um, you're learning about their culture as well when you go to the markets, which is excellent. And also, I mean, as as a chef, um, working on board is difficult. But then you have to look at it from another... I mean, every job you have in the world, you always think sometimes I just want to go home. Right. I mean, anyone who says, there's always that moment you think, oh, not today. <laughs> but working on a ship, you get a couple of months off, you get a month or two months off at time, you can go travel, you can go find things to inspire you again. So you go back to an, another contract with a new lease of life and thinking, okay, I'm ready for it again. Let's do something different now. Well, you know, just to tie it in a little bit with my podcast here, I always talk about how quality of life is more important than anything in the world. I mean, happiness is the number one thing that everybody wants out of life. Would you say that you value quality of life over money? I definitely value quality of life. Definitely value. Um, I think quality of life comes from what you do, um, how you do it. And to enjoy your quality of life, you have to work and so you, you do need a certain aspect of money. Yes, I agree. But it depends what you're doing to earn it, to make your life right. have that quality in it. So, yes, you need money. But, yeah, the value of the quality of life is very important. It's probably one of, a very good reason to work on a ship. You can right. work and then you have time off and you enjoy a couple of months off with your friends, your family, you travel. So, I mean, it, the the two work together very well. It's a very big plus side of working on a, on, on a, on a ship. Where do you see yourself in, let's say, 10 to 20 years? Or do you even think about that at all? Um, 10 years, for sure, I'll still be a chef. <laughs> the, the, that's, that, that's for sure. Um, where will I be? I, I'm not sure if a right opportunity came up to maybe work in a really good place or open a place then maybe I would go with it but it's one of them you have to make sure you're comfortable and and it's the right opportunity so who knows where we'll be what would what would make it the right opportunity what would be the right um I guess the perfect scenario or situation I mean the perfect scenario is to have a your own restaurant in a beautiful um, area I mean beautiful views by the sea or something like this in a nice, nice country, could be any country, it doesn't matter. Um, with the opportunity to do something special, you know, which comes with a lot of pressure. And so I really, I really don't know. That's what I've always thought could be a good opportunity. But I mean, also you, you can get offered things and you just, it doesn't feel right from some people or it does feel right from other people. So I think you have to judge every opportunity as it comes and where you are at that point in your life. What makes you happiest in life? Well, different, probably cooking it sometimes. 
I mean, cooking and enjoying times with your friends and family, your loved ones, is very important. They're they're times you can never take for granted. So, yeah, they don't come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Adam, I have to say, things that makes me happiest in my life is being around you and eating your food. <laughs> <laughs> and um, your creations are spectacular, and I can't wait to have more. You Thank are you. an inspiration to everyone, and I can say with confidence that this is one of the interviews here on my channel that one day will make me famous because you're undeniably a rising star. <laughs> um, I've always predicted that. I know that one day, you might not know it, I think you might know it, but I don't know, but one day you will be ranked the number one chef in the world, and I expect our Seychelles picture to be there on that wall, <laughs> as you promised. It will be, it will be. It's a really big honor to call you my friend. And um, thank you again for being here. A pleasure. And um, that is all we have for... Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having some technical issues. Okay. That is all we have for today. <laughs> thank, thank you, you very much. for being with me and for listening to me and for being a part of my journey. I am Camilla, your High Vibe Advocate, looking forward to your outreach at highvibeadvocate.com. And as always, looking forward to our next meeting right here on my channel. See you next Wednesday.